If you have a copy of Scripture with you today, turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. The year was 1517. 1517, just a mere 500 years ago. The day was October the 31st, 1517. And there was a monk who was fed up. His name was Martin Luther, and he was tired of hearing, among other things, he was tired of hearing one jingle. You know about jingles, right? When you watch a commercial and you can't get that 30-second clip out of your mind, or you are driving down the road to the workplace, and that song, that song that you cannot stand is the last song you hear on the radio. And you walk into work, and you are humming that song. Well, all up and down the streets of Wittenberg, Germany, a jingle was being stated. And it was being stated first and foremost from this man by the name of Jay Tetzel. He's a rapper. Not really. And Jay Tetzel came to Martin Luther's town and began to say this jingle. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings... The soul from purgatory springs. As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Over and over and over again, Jay Tetzel is crying this out up and down the streets of, how we would pronounce it, Wittenberg, Germany. But what Jay Tetzel did not know, was that a year ago, so in 1516, there was a book that was printed, and that book was the Holy Scriptures, and that book was printed in Greek, and this monk named Martin Luther got a copy of that book, and he started reading it beside what the book of the Bible that he had in his language Not really his language. It was in Latin. It was called the Vulgate. And as he read verse by verse, he saw a a word, a verb in the New Testament that was translated in the Vulgate, do penance. That was in the original language of Greek, repent. There's a difference. And for a year... There has been this tension, longer than a year, but for a year this tension is growing and growing inside Martin Luther. And then here comes Jay Tetzel saying, hey, if you would just give a third of the wages of a year that you might have, or maybe a half of the wages of the year that you might have, you can have one of your loved ones that is dead and gone, spring from purgatory. And on October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther 
nailed a pack of papers on the door. It, it was, you know, 1,517 social media. It's not Twitter or Tumblr or Snapchat or Facebook. No, it was, hey, everybody's going to go to the door of the church, especially the next day. We think the huge day is October the 31st, All Hallowed's Eve, what we call Halloween. But in 1517, it was the next day. So everybody was going to church on November the 1st, All Saints Day. And when they got to the church, they saw this pamphlet, 95 critiques of the church. And it started what you and I know as the Protestant Reformation. You're like, Brian, why am I telling you about J. Tetzel and Luther and the Protestant Reformation? Well telling you for a couple of reasons. One, because Tuesday is that day and it's 500 years. It's like 50 times 10. It's big. Y'all will get that in a minute. But more than that, in 1517, there was a cry from the people. There was a, a, an upspring from the people who were groaning and crying that there must be something more. And God heard that cry. And in 1517, there was a Protestant Reformation. There was a Reformation that came and there was a deliverer of the people. And the first of those in 1517 was a man by the name of Martin Luther. And very similar, we find in the book of Exodus another deliverer. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Exodus chapter 2 and let us read what goes on in Exodus chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I believe the verses will be on the screen today. Last week, it was my fault. I know y'all had to sit there and look like at a blank screen and like, what is up with all the slides? I put the slides on the wrong week. So if you would have been looking at the slides, it would have been worse than you just looking at uh, Route 66. So um, this week I put them on the right slide show, I believe. And so um, we'll see. Y'all can follow along. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23 states this. During those many days... How many days? Well, we skipped a number of pages in God's Word. From Genesis chapter 22 through the end of the book, there were a number of things that took place. Namely, one of those things was this, that Jacob, Abraham's grandson, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... So Abraham's grandson has 12 boys. One of those boys is Joseph. And Joseph is sold by his brothers. They loved him a lot. He is sold by his brothers into captivity down into Egypt. God sends a huge famine. God says to Jacob, hey, Jacob, take everybody you got and go down to Egypt. I'm going to take care of you there through your son, after Joseph is, is uh, risen up in the Egyptian culture and he is second in command and he is the one who is making sure they have enough food for the times of famine. And he says, Jacob, go down there 
And know this, that I will bring you and your clan back up, you and your people back up to the promised land. He went down in 70. That's how many folks went down to Egypt, 70. And they come back up in a multitude. After, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel, they groaned because the cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. It wasn't the Beverly Hillbillies that had the first one. Jethro, the priest of Midian. Is that not in your Bible? i got to quit. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Verse 6, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, look at verse 9. And now. Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go. 
Gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise, I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all those other ites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. They will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go three days into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But catch this, last two verses that I'll read. But I know, this is God speaking, but I know, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled with a mighty hand. So, I will stretch out my hand. I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he, the Pharaoh, he will let you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a... What a story, what a, what a passage, what a historical moment that has been recorded for us today. God, as we look at these truths this morning, as we see these two truths, may our focus be where it needs to be. God, remind us afresh and anew who you are. And Father, I pray that this word, your word, would be applied to my life, to our lives today. God, would you speak? Would you speak right to our hearts this morning? Every man, every woman, every student in this room. Father, would you speak now? God, may our lives be changed because we have heard you speak. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. T two truths this morning. As we see this story begin to unfold about deliverance. The first truth is this. God keeps the promises he makes. God keeps the promises that he makes. If God has said something, He keeps the promise that He makes. You read Exodus chapter 2 toward the end of it, and you read Exodus chapter 3, you will see the word, and, and God remembered. It's not as if He forgot. He did not forget. He knew exactly what He had said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew exactly what he had said to Adam, what he said to Seth, and what he said to anybody else in days before when he spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And y'all remember this, that he took Abraham out and said, hey, look up at the stars. Look up at the stars. If you can count them, that's how many descendants you're going to have. God, I don't have a kid. My whole estate is going to go to my servant, Eleazar. And he said, no, it's not. It's 
going to go to one of your sons, and they're going to have a plethora of kids. And I, I'm tell you what, your name's no longer Abram, a great father, but I'm going to change your name. Your name's now Abraham, the father of a multitude. And so he had two boys, Ishmael, and then he had Isaac. We saw those two sons over the last few weeks. And now some descendants of his have gone into Egypt and they went down as 70, but now they're They multiplied in Egypt in captivity to the point that the Egyptian Pharaoh looked around with all of his leaders and said, if we don't do something, they're going to overtake us from within. So start killing off all the boys. Exodus chapter 1, first part of Exodus chapter 2, there is a godly mother and father who said, man, we cannot allow this to happen to our boy." Moses. What a plan. Moses grew up in the palace, and Moses was being reared to be a leader in Egypt, and God said, That's not how I'm going to deliver my people. So Moses is shipped out of the palace, and for 40 plus years, he is herding sheep on the backside of the wilderness, on the west side of the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere. But during those many days, God heard the cry. It reminds me of another cry. It reminds me of, a, of a, another time, fast forward just a number of generations, and there is one that comes on the throne in Israel, and his name is Solomon. He is the wisest of all men. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, God is speaking to Solomon. It's a similar response. If my people, who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their lands. God is not up in heaven with his attention somewhere else outside of you. He is not up in heaven so far away from you, so far away from me that he cannot hear you or hear me when you and I cry. And he has made a promise to you. He's made a promise to me. He's made a promise to us and said this, if my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face, they'll turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their lands. In Exodus chapter 2, they are crying out, and God hears. There is a promise that he has made. He has made it to Jacob. He has made it to all the descendants of Jacob. He hears their cries, and he sends a deliverer because God always keeps the promises that he makes. He made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob to deliver his people. God sees his people. He sees you, and he keeps his promises that he has made to you. My question, 
10.54, Sunday morning, October the 29th, 2017. Do you keep your promises? When you say something, sir, ma'am, hey, moms and dads, let me ask your kids. When mom and dad, don't say anything out loud. When, I would be so scared that my kids would say something. When you promise something, do you come through on your word? Possibly for some of us, we say things and then we have something called part-timers and we forget what we say. And so we don't know if we kept our promises or not because we forgot everything that we said that we were going to do. God does not forget what He says. And when He makes a promise to you, He will bring it about. Now it may be 25 years when He said to Abraham, Abram at the time, hey, get up out of Haran because I'm going to take you to a land that I told you about when you were in Ur of the Chaldees and you stopped here for 25 years. So now it's time for you to get out of Haran and get going. And I'm going to give you all these kids and another 25 years pass. But he had not forgotten his promise. You say, well, what are some of the promises that he has made to you? On the screen behind me, you will see these verses. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is Paul telling the folks at Philippi, hey, this is something that God is sure. I'm sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Brian, that's somebody saying something about God. Okay, well, let's look at this passage. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. Jesus is speaking. Who's Jesus? He's God's son. He says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They will follow me. What's the promise? I give them eternal life. How long is eternal? Forever. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I am in my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Here's another. We read it um, with everybody just this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has acted in the past. He is acting even now, and he will act in the future. He has made a promise, and he will bring that promise about. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, that prophet stood and said that God never changes. He is consistent. He is constant. He never changes. And he has promised to save and he is acting now to continue to bring that about. He was acting in Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3 and said, Hey, my folks are groaning. They're crying out to me. They're coming back to me. So therefore, I will hold my promise. I'll send a deliverer. God always keeps his promise, but the second truth from this passage, and one that may scare you, and one that may scare me, is this, that God sends a deliverer to save his people. You're like, why would that scare me? Because maybe you. 
Think about Moses. I told you a little bit about Moses. We've got 45 seconds to finish this sermon out. So let's just think about Moses. Moses grew up in the palace. If there was ever a place or a person who could bring salvation, it was the one closest to Pharaoh. At the time that Moses is sent back to the palace, more than likely his brother, adopted brother, is now ruling and reigning. Moses was close to the throne. Yet God said, "Um, if you save that way, you will think you did something. So therefore, why don't you go spend 40 years herding some sheep on the backside of the desert? God sends a deliverer to save his people. This Moses, name meaning caught up from the water, was the one who fled Egypt to get away from the Pharaoh, is now being sent back to Pharaoh to save a nation. Maybe you find yourselves like Moses found himself. You know, in your comfort zone. Everything in life's okay. It's mundane, but there's no surprises. Monday, you got to take the sheep out and get them some grass and get them something to eat and come back to the house. Tuesday, you got to take the sheep out, get them some grass, get them something to drink and bring them back to the house. Wednesday, y'all get the picture. For 40 years, this is what he is doing. Maybe you haven't been doing it for 40 years. Maybe it's been three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years. I don't know, but maybe you find yourself just as Moses did in the comfort zone. And then you see something. I love Exodus chapter 3. I love how Moses sees this bush and his response. Look there. The angel of the Lord in verse number 2 of Exodus chapter 3 states this. He appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, Moses did, and behold, a bush, the bush was burning. It happens every day on the backside of the wilderness, in the middle of the desert. That happens. That is not the miracle. The miracle is not that the bush is burning. Bushes burn when sun hits them and there's no rain. Bushes burn. The miracle is that it was burning, but it was not being burned up. And you and I, it's so easy for us to say, wow, look at the miracle. The bush is burning and it's not being burned up. And yes, that's part of the miracle. But what the miracle is so mighty is this, that God speaks. He's in the midst of the bush. You're like, well, if I could see a burning bush and God would speak, then guess what? I'd do what he said. Really? Moses did, and he didn't want to do it. Moses was just a shepherd. Yep. And you and I? The psalmist states this. In Psalm chapter 8, when I look at your heavens, 
when I look at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Verse 4, what is man? What am I? The psalmist is saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, also the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas, they are yours. What Moses says when God says, go back to Pharaoh. Moses said to God, if I come to the people and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God says, tell them I am. Excuse me? Yeah. Tell them I am who I am sent you. God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, the Lord, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And here's where I'll end. And don't miss this. So often... I believe it. I believe it with every fiber of my being. So often, you and I go to God and we want explanation. We want, God, would you just explain this situation to me? God, just tell me, tell me how to do it and I'll do it. Just explain this to me. Moses did. God, if you want me to go here, Who am I supposed to say sent me? We want explanation. And God says, I'm not going to give you explanation, but I'm going to give you revelation. And I'm going to reveal myself to you so that you might know me. Because you... And I, if we would know him, it does not matter the explanation. It does not matter the the worldly logic. It does not matter the situation. If we are revealed who he is, we'll do the craziest thing imaginable. A little shepherd, 80 years old, will hobble himself from the backside of the wilderness and go into the courts of the strongest nation of his day and say, um, God said, let my people go. When you understand who he is, when he reveals himself to you and you see him, I am that I am. Lord Jehovah, Jireh, King of kings and Lord of lords. When you see him, you, you, you. I'm looking at myself in the mirror right now. I will say, hey, um, yeah, I know you think that I'm crazy. Yeah, I know that you don't think that I have a clue. But let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. 
Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus came and paid your price. He paid for your sin so that you might be with Him in heaven. You and I want explanation. We want it all the time. It's so easy. Would you just explain this to me so I can comprehend? And God says, I just revealed myself to you. I just revealed myself to you. Oh, River Bend, that we would go. Heavenly Father, your people. Well, we sang about it. We sang about you just a moment ago, that you're the lion and the lamb. Lord, earlier this morning, a song came across the, my phone that you are a chain breaker. When we're lost, that you make a way when there's pain and, and we're in a, in a prison that you, you save us. God, may we re- remember this moment. May I remember this moment right now that you always, God, you always hold your promises. And Lord, you always send one to deliver your people. Sir, you may find yourself this morning bound. There's been a moment in your life where you have bowed the knee and you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you are His. But because of the choices that you have made, you are bound. You have not, as Robbie stated earlier, you've not surrendered. And He is saying to you, if you would surrender, sir, there would be freedom. Ma'am, there are things in your life right at this moment that you're holding on to and He is saying just let go because here's who I am. I am. I am the one who gives you life. I am the one who gives you breath. I am the one who sustains you. I am the one who provides for you. I am. As Robbie's, I can't say it better than she did. Sir, ma'am, he's more valuable than what you value. If you would drop those things and run to him, He says, I'll take care of you. I'll deliver you. I don't know the struggles that are going on inside of you right now that are going on in your life. I don't know where your spouses are. I don't know where your jobs are. It does not matter. He does. And he says, come to me. And I'll give you rest. As we we stand and as we sing church, The invitation is for you. The response is for you to respond. Not not to me, not to us, but to Him. For He, He is worthy of everything that you are and everything that you bring. And so much more. Would you come?